is great because of uh, uh, the way he conquered uh, the world. Uh, during his conquest, as he was conquering the world, uh, he falls really sick and uh, uh, he decides to go back to his mother because he knows uh, that he's not going to make it. Sorry, just a minute. Okay, that's my phone. It's also on, and it's creating some echo here. Sorry about that. So uh, Alexander uh, realizes that he's not going to make it. He's going to die. So his last, uh, he, he wanted to go back to his mother and die in his in her presence. But uh, as he was heading back to his mother, and uh, he really uh, his health really deteriorates, and he realizes he's not going to make it back home. So he calls all his generals and he gives them three wishes. Okay, these are three uh, Alexander three wishes. His last wishes. Okay. We don't know whether it's true or not, but it's a, it's a beautiful uh, uh, story. Okay. He says basically uh, that uh, the physicians who, who cater to him or who try to heal him, they are the ones who should carry his uh, coffin to the grave. That's his first wish. Second wish he says basically is that, uh, okay, the, the path to my grave should be uh, embedded with all the jewels, gold, and all the precious stones I accumulated over the years. So he should uh, uh, pave that path with those precious stones. And third wish, he says, basically, my hand should be dangling out of my coffin. These are the three wishes of Alexander the Great. Weird wishes, right? So none of the generals dare questioning, asking, King, why are you asking such a weird thing? But one of the generals uh, gathers courage and he kisses the king's hand. He asks very lovingly, we, we, do, we will do whatever you are asking us to do, but tell us why you are asking this, why you are requesting such a, uh, uh, such a wish. So Alexander explains, the first wish I asking I was asking uh, to carry uh, my coffin to be carried by physicians because I want the whole world to know that none of the physicians can save you from grave. Okay, if the doctors out there, uh, I'm Alexander was saying, not me. Okay, so none of the physicians can save you from the grave. That's what Alexander is saying, and he wants the world to know about that. Secondly, he says my my the path to my grave basically should be turned with all the precious gold. All my life, I ran after authority, power, and, uh, and wealth, but none of this will I take along with me. Okay, all this is at a useless of time, and uh, they are meaningless. That's what Alexander wanted to tell the world. And thirdly, he wants his hands to be dangled out of the coffin because he wants, to, he wants the world to see the greatest uh, uh, king. Okay, he is taking nothing when he died. So empty-handed he came, empty-handed. He was going, so he was uh, in a way communicating through his last words what it meant for him to live the life, and that's a summary of Alexander's life in a sense. Okay, few I mean ten years back, I had the privilege of listening to my dad's own last words when he was dying, and uh, the day before he called me to his uh, room uh, at uh, midnight, and I had the longest conversation with my dad, almost like uh, more than six seven hours. So he talked about many things during that time. He revealed his heart. And he talked about his regrets. He talked about relationships and whom I should be taking care of and uh, whom I should not be trusting. So my dad spoke uh, his heart out when he was dying. So when you listen to the people who are dying and their last quotes, basically they, they, they are not pretending, they are not faking. They are very genuine, they are transparent. They are talking the most important things, which, are, which, means, which, which means a lot for them. They are focusing really on the important matters. So those are the, uh, the power of uh, last words of uh, any, any human being, okay? 
here when we come to chapter 28 of 1 chronicles we hear the uh, words of david which are his last words uh, to the whole of the nation and his son predominantly these are the last words of the beloved king of israel the sweet singer of israel most importantly the man after god's own heart here are written his words for us to read and learn from his last words from his last words so when when we put meditate on these words basically david david reveals what was uh, in his heart what consumed him what captivated him what motivated him what was his really life's purpose so david reveals uh, through these few verses uh, uh, what was his mission in life and what was what was uh, what driven him to do something so the david words are very profound for all of us and to learn something uh, good from this so as we as we look into the scripture as we meditate on it my prayer is that we also looking at david's life examine our own lives and examine our own hearts and see what is captivating our hearts what is motivating what is the purpose of our lives okay so so that when we finish studying this chapter i hope and pray that you and i would be like david not just temple builders but kingdom builders because even this morning we are going to look at the greater son of david jesus christ and through his last words we we are going to see god calls each one of us to be kingdom builders so that's what we are going to learn this morning kingdom builders okay so the way we are going to study this uh, portion is uh, through three simple prayer, uh, divisions one uh, god god's covenant to build an everlasting kingdom god made a promise god made a covenant with uh, david and also with us to build an everlasting kingdom that's the first thing we are going to see and also secondly we are going to see god chose us to build his kingdom god chose us to build his kingdom thirdly god commissioned us to proclaim his kingdom god commissioned us to proclaim his kingdom let's begin now one by one god's covenant god's covenant to build an everlasting kingdom everlasting kingdom so chapter 28 verse 1 david assembled at jerusalem all the officials of israel the officials of the tribes the officers of the division that served the king the commanders of thousands the commanders of hundreds the stewards of all the property and livestock of the king and all his sons together with the palace officials the mighty men and all the seasoned warriors then the king david rose to his feet and said so david realized he is going to die so he wants to address the whole nation so he 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 basically commanded all his officials all the beloved people of uh, david he, he commissioned them so come and uh, gather i want to speak to you and we see who's who's of uh, david's kingdom gathered and we see david uh, rising to his feet why the the writer puts that david rose to his feet to address to his, address his brothers we need to remember david was dying he was a warrior king that would have taken the wars he fought the battles he fought and the sufferings he endured in his life would have taken a toll and toll and david's uh, physical appearance even on the body he was a beaten old man and when when we read the scriptures they they tell us about david david could not keep even keep himself warm david was a old man a, a weak man a dying man but yet he chose to stand in front of his people what a heart right what a heart he does not have to stand like that he was a king he could sit very well and speak but he stood uh, on his feet to address uh, his nation his beloved people not only that what a monumental or emotional moment that would have been for the people who gathered right they knew david was very weak and he was dying 
they all gathered expecting perhaps to see david uh, for one last time and hear from david's very mouth what he is going to say there was eager expectation in people's heart to listen to what david has to say they all gathered to hear david's last words and david stands and starts addressing not as a king but as a brother as a fellow israelite he was standing in front of them in a sense he was communicating what i am going to say i am i am going to pour out my heart to you i am going to not going to pretend i am not talking as a king i am talking as a beloved brother what i am going to share what i am sharing is very dear to me that's what david was trying to communicate by standing in front of the people and then we see in verse 2 Then King David rose to his feet and said, "Here, my brothers and my people, I had it in my heart to build house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and made preparation for building." The first thing David says when he when he was about to address uh, when he's when he's addressing his beloved people, he was talking about his heart's desire. What was his desire? His desire was to build a permanent house for the ark of the covenant. that is in a sense that's the first statement of david uh, from his last words he wanted to build a house for the ark of the covenant for our covenant ark of the covenant so what is this ark of the covenant those of us who are now who are not aware much about the old testament ark of the covenant is a very simple thing it's a it's a wooden box laid with gold but what makes the ark of the covenant very special is that what was there inside that box inside the box were the 10 commandments the 10 commandments basically reveal the nature character of the god israel is serving that's embodiment of god's nature kept in that box not only that the box had on top of that there are two cherubims golden cherubims facing each other stretching their wings towards the highest heavens so basically the ark of the covenant symbolizes presence of god the very dwelling place of god on earth that is the ark of the covenant and it meant a lot for the people of israel you know what before solomon saul the king david the king before david there was no king for israelites for many hundred of years god was their king so ark of the covenant in a way symbolically represented that's the throne room of god they are serving and god was their king and god was ruling their kingdom from that throne from the ark that's what that meant for the people of israel and david wanted to build kingdom a courthouse for god a permanent structure for the people of israel that was david's desire that was david's desire even uh, we that's not the end of it but when we see this uh, certain uh, uh, things about david when we read uh, how he cherished the ark of the covenant uh, the ark of the covenant was lying at some place and david decides to bring when he became the king became king of israel he decides to bring the ark of the covenant to his own city david city of david so he makes preparations and he was trying to bring it okay the ox that was perhaps pulling the ark of the covenant uh, trembles and one of the servants reaches his hand and try to stabilize the ark of the covenant and he immediately was struck down by god and he died and david was with the scriptures record for us david was furious you know why furious god struck him that's also uh, one of the reasons but more furious about probably with himself in a sense how can i bring the ark of god home to me that's captivated david's heart david in a way revealing that the ark of the covenant very the presence of god the rule of god i want that kingdom of god next to me very close to me in my house i want the kingdom of god that's what david revealing himself about his heart's desire 
through his actions. And then eventually he brings the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David. Okay, he, he, this time he takes all the precautions, all the care, the way it ought to be brought with the reverence and holiness he eventually brings. For every six steps the Ark of the Covenant takes, he sacrifices a ox and a fattened animal. With so much reverence and David dances before the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God. In the throne room of God, David dances and brings the presence of God home with him. That's David. David was captivated by God's character and God's presence. One more thing briefly, I want to talk about David. When we come uh, to uh, one of the Psalms he had written in that, in the Psalms also David talks about his desire to have God's rule in his own life. Psalm 84, uh, let me read it. It says like this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sings for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the shallow a nest for herself. And where she may lay her young at the altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever sing your praise. That's David's heart. And it's, it's fascinating, right? When, when I look at my BTEC classmates, when they are settling down in the US and living American dream and acquiring all the things, I feel jealous that they are they're, they're much doing better, much doing much better than me. That's all, those are the things which make me jealous. Okay. But here we see David, David was jealous about a sparrow which is uh, building his nest in the tabernacle of God. Because the sparrow is much more closer to the presence of God in David's eyes than him because he was far away from the presence of God living somewhere. So he's comparing himself with a sparrow. How I wish I could be like a sparrow living at the very throne room of God, gazing at the beauty of God 24-7, 365 days, rest of my life. That's David's desire. So David wanted to build a permanent structure, a kingdom, a throne room of God in the midst of his people so that God's root would propagate the whole of the nation and that nation will proclaim the God's kingdom to the nations around them. That was God's desire. Sorry, David's desire. David's desire. I must confess, I'm not like David. I'm not like David. I don't seek uh, our God like the way David sought. I don't seek him. I don't honor him even uh, the way David honored God. Okay, forget about I am being consumed uh, with the God's uh, kingdom like David was consumed about God's kingdom. I'm far away from David. I'm far away from David. But David, David, through his last words, reminds each one of us how you and I ought to live, seeking God, honoring God, and having a desire to fulfill God's commission. That's David. And through his last words, in fact, very few words David reveals. And then we see an interesting twist in the story, the way David narrates, verse 3. But God said to me, you may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. So even though David had a very noble desire, God honoring desire to build a permanent structure for God's throne, God says, no, David, you are not going to do it. What a shocker that would have been, that would have been to David, right? How could God reject such a, such a desire, such a dream of David? Okay. But when we read the scriptures, especially 2 Samuel 7, even though God rejects David's desire to build a temple, but God promises David something much more than David could ever imagine and ask for. 
in a way god tells him good day david you are thinking of a building a structure which cannot contain my glory you are you are thinking of building that kingdom for me david but you know what i will build your kingdom your dynasty on which i would put your offspring who would rule from that throne and the kingdom forever and ever i will build an everlasting kingdom david through you that's a promise god gave to david god honored indeed even though he rejected david's desire god honored him much more than what david desired god would build an everlasting kingdom through the offspring of david through the offspring of david even before we move on at times uh, when god closes a door on our face on our dreams and aspirations when he pours water uh, on on our dreams we, we at times become very 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 uh, hard and uh, very uh, uh, what what is what should i say bitter towards god how could the god uh, not give the desires of my heart you know what david uh, story in a way reveals to all of us that our plans are short sighted our plans are like this we watch always see things like this but god sees from eternity to eternity and his plans are much more magnificent much more glorious than our plans if god is shutting the doors of your dreams today it does not mean that god is saying no it basically tells us god has much more profound much more uh, purposeful plans for you and me so we need to trust god like david trusted even though god said no david continued to trust god and continue to work for the cause of god that's what we see as we go along in this chapter as we go along but let me quickly uh, fast forward from david stand to 2000 years later just as god promised david that david i will bring a offspring and and then he will build my kingdom okay that is the god's scope of a plan for david but immediately short term the david's uh, promise was realized in solomon solomon indeed builds a temple for the glory of god within next uh, 10 15 years david uh, solomon builds temple for god kingdom for god but you know what 1000 years later that temple was destroyed there was no temple now in israel except a wailing wall which we see so the the, the the temple david uh, dreamt of was not there anymore but there is greater temple we still see today reigning and ruling in the world just as god promised uh, david that his offspring would rule from his throne forever as per that promise from the line of david god brought a greater offspring of david jesus christ he came when he came jesus uh, jesus in a way what he said uh, like uh, baffled the religious leaders i am the temple of god the temple david built solomon built i am the personification of the, the, that that temple i am the personification of the tabernacle which dwelt amongst you i am that god came down to live amongst you greater son of david came and announced his kingdom rule to all the people of israel but the people of israel rejected him and they crucified him and even pilate puts on his cross his his only his only a crime was that he was king of jews the greater king than david the greater king than solomon came eventually and inaugurated the kingdom of god a greater temple jesus is building not made out of brick and stone and gold and silver perishable things but the kingdom jesus is building is with people you and me with souls you and i are integral part of that kingdom and christ today is building that kingdom and even christ gives us a promise to you and me as he is building that temple he says i am building my temple my kingdom the gates of heaven hell will not prevail against me i am going to accomplish what i set forth to accomplish i will build my kingdom 
which would last forever and ever. That's Christ's promise for, for all of us. God promised him the uh, same promise to David and again Christ fulfills that promise and even expands the scope of that promise which would last forever and ever. So today God is building that temple, a church full of people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. God will not differentiate and he's building an everlasting and God would keep that covenant. He kept the covenant which gave to David and he will keep this covenant in the days to come. God is a covenant making God. God is a covenant keeping God. You can take confidence in that. Secondly, so God made a covenant to build an everlasting kingdom. Secondly, God chose us to build his kingdom. God chose us to build his kingdom. Verse 3. But God said to me, you may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as a leader and in the house of Judah, my father's house and among the father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. And, all, and of all my sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. So here a weak David, a old man David, and standing before his people and talking about what? God chose my family. Second thing he was saying, I wanted to build the temple. God rejected, but nevertheless, God chose my family to build the temple. Look at the number of ways, uh, number of times he repeats, God chose my family, God chose from me, from my brothers, God chose my son. God chose, God chose, God chose. David was captivated by this uh, blessing from God, that God, the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, the God who created heaven and earth chose David and his family to build a kingdom. Okay, David took tremendous pride and honor in the fact that God chose him. Okay, even though God rejected David to build, but he was more than happy to be part of the plan of God, purpose of God. How do we know that? If we read from the verse 11 onwards, even though God rejected David, David, you are not going to build the temple. Forget about it. That's what God said. But that did not stop David to dream about the kingdom of God, the temple of God. From we read, if it's not there in the bulletin, but if we read from 11 onwards, we see basically he gives all the blueprints, the, the way the temple needs to be built. David already sorted out. He made a plan how the temple should be built. So he's, he was giving, handing over the blueprint to his son. This is how we need to build. Not only that, he provides all the materials that are needed, not just ordinary materials, bronze, best of bronze, silver and gold, precious stones, even the cedar, wood that is needed to build the temple of God. David provided everything to his son. His son has to just go and build it. But David took care of all the groundwork that needed to be done. And if you read chapter 29, verse 3 onwards, David basically tells the whole of the congregation, this much gold, this much silver, like 3,000 talents of gold. That's insane amount of gold. David giving to build the temple because God chose him. Even though he's not the one who's going to execute it, but yet David had an incredible heart to show the gratitude to God that he was chosen. He was chosen. Even when we look at the life of David, David was a warrior king. 
David was busy fighting wars all of his life. In a sense, that was David's secular job. As a king, he needs to take care of the borders of your nation. You need to take care of your people and provide. That's what David did mightily during his time. David brought peace all around it. So that was a secular job David held during his days. But nevertheless, we see a parallel agenda going in David's life. Wherever he went, wherever, whichever conquest he took, he gathered things and materials and treasures to build the temple of God. David was driven with this passion to build a temple, a kingdom of God. So the secular job did not stop David. He did his best there, but also he did even more what was required of him to build the kingdom of God. What a heart David got. What a heart David got. David provided everything that is needed to build the temple of God. How much he cherished that God chose him. God chose him. Uh, recently, like uh, the last movie Christian and I watched uh, the, before lockdown was 1917. 1917. Okay, it's an incredible movie. Uh, beautiful cinema, cinematography. Okay, uh, so 1917. This movie is about a war. Okay, it is basically the first world war that took place. In this, uh, we the story starts with uh, two guys, uh, Lance Corporal Schofield and Lance Corporal Blake. Okay, these two guys were summoned by the emperor, British emperor, and they were given uh, a message which they need to take uh, in the next 24 hours uh, to the people, soldiers who are there in the enemy, enemy territory. 1,600 soldiers that were stuck in enemy territory. Next day, they were planning uh, for attack. But they came to know that that attack uh, is a suicidal mission. So these two gentlemen were chosen to give a message to those people. And they, the British emperor specifically chose, chooses Lance Corporal Blake because his brother was leading some group of men in the battle across the border. So the, 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 the very, very, uh, uh, with a very great mission, the, the, the emperor chose, chooses uh, this uh, Lance Corporal to deliver the message. And we see these two gentlemen uh, heading towards those enemy lines, uh, risking their life, risking their lives. As they go along, the, his friend, basically Lance Corporal Scofield, starts accusing uh, Blake, saying that because of you, I got into this mess. Because of you, I'm risking, risking my life. Why do you have to drag me into this? As they go along, eventually, Lance Corporal Blake was killed by a German soldier. But that did not stop Lance Corporal to deviate from the mission. Even though he has nothing to do with uh, uh, the Blake's brother or the 1600 soldiers that were stuck in the enemy territory, he still risks his life and goes and delivers the message and he saves 1600 British soldiers soldiers because they were chosen to deliver an important message which has a consequence if they do not act if they do not uh, take it seriously lives are at stake lives are at stake David delighted to be chosen to build a just a temple and when we come to New Testament again we see God chose each one of us not the British emperor, not the not the not the, the government of India. My daughter was delighted when she was chosen as a as a class monitor. She was uh, full of uh, delight when she was chosen as a class monitor. And here we see God of glory, a king who would rule forever, called each one of us by name. He chose us to deliver a message, which has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. In John 15, 16, this is what Jesus says to his followed disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you uh, so that you go and bear fruit. 
in 1 peter 2:9 jesus says this and the holy spirit to peter says this but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light god chose us to be kingdom priests a holy people full of his grace to go and tell to the world all around us to tell how he called us from darkness for sinful lifestyles to glorious holy living that is a message christ is asking us to deliver and he chose each one of us just like he chose david to build the temple and his family to build the temple and today god chose us for even more greater cause to build his kingdom which would last forever which which would last forever so let me ask you this the way you and i are living today in delhi the way you and i make choices the way you and i uh, basically uh, uh, make decisions how all of that all our lifestyles reveal that we are chosen by god are we too busy building our kingdoms our empires here on earth are we like david and solomon building the kingdom of god what drives you you and me a man captivated by god's calling did everything or beyond what he could do for the glory of god how much more today you and i knowing what christ did for all of us how much more you and i need to live out our calling our choosing so god not only promised that he would build an everlasting kingdom but also he chose each one of us to build his kingdom he does not need you and me to build his kingdom but as a loving father who takes a delight in seeing his child's work however however insignificant that could be god delights in our work which we put to build his kingdom so let's move on to our third section god commissioned us to proclaim his kingdom god commissioned us to proclaim his kingdom so david very well knew what kind of project he was giving to his son and also to the nation he knew that he he, 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 he basically if you look at the plan in those days it's one of the magnificent structures uh, the people of israel and solomon had to build it it was an incredible project in those times so david asks you know what as you go on this project remember so he addresses the whole of the assembly first from verse 8 onwards now therefore in the sight of all israel assembly of the lord and all in the hearing of god observe and seek out all the commandments of the lord your god that may you possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance to your children here after you just before you go on mission just before you go on uh, to the task which i am which i am giving it to you remember more than anything observe and seek all the commandments of the lord david putting the right perspective or where the heart needs to be it's not about the project you do but it's about knowing god first and seeking him and doing to honor him if you do not have one on one personal relationship with you do not seek the god seek our god the way david sought whatever project david is giving whatever mission david is giving whatever commission david is giving it would be a job to be done it would be a thing to be done it would be a burden it would uh, if you will not do it out of reverence and joy so david was asking you you know what focus your heart on god first observe him seek him with all your heart that's a charge he is giving to the whole of the community first before he addresses his son from verse 9 and you solomon my son know the god of your father and serve him with a, with a whole heart and with a willing mind for god for god who sorry 
for the Lord searches all the hearts and understands every plan and thought. Seek, if you seek him, he will be found by you. So verse 10, be careful therefore, for the Lord God has chosen you to build the house for the sanctuary, be strong and do it. Once he addresses the nation, the congregation, he now turns to his own son, the king, who would replace him. You know what, Solomon? As you go on this mission, as you go on doing what God asks you to do, remember one thing. Remember one thing. No God. No God. When we tell our daughters again, uh, they always, oftentimes they reply back saying, I know that. They know everything. That's how the, our children behave. But what David here is saying is that, that no, you and I always say, I know that, I know this. It's not like that. A husband and wife know each other intimately, personally. That's how you ought to know your God. David, know your God like that. Because he, he knows with what attitude, with what heart you're going to build that temple. I, don't want you, I do not want you to do a job, a project, but I want you to do as an act of worship, as an act of gratitude for choosing our family. So observe your heart, David. You will be a powerful king. Many things will be at your disposal. Do not let your heart deviate from the focus of God. Always seek him and put your heart at the right place, Solomon, as you build this temple. And be careful to do it. What a commission, right? David is, will be dead and gone. But he's passing on the mission of God to the next generation. He's inspiring the next generation to carry on what God called them to do. He's passing on the baton. What a, what a man, what an incredible heart to do the will of God. And lastly, David closes his, his charge or his, his commission to, to the people and also to his son uh, from verse 20 onwards. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God with you, he will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. God, my God, will be with you. That's exactly the same wording of phrasing what we see uh, in Joshua 1, 6 onwards. When uh, Joshua was about to conquer the promised land, Moses encourages Joshua. You know what? The enemy out there is strong. The project God is giving you is the battle God is asking you to fight is an incredible battle. If you focus on your strength or if you focus on yourself, you cannot win this Joshua. So focus on God. Takes courage and be strong. And God our Lord will be with you wherever you go. If you rely on him, if you focus on him, if you depend on him, no battle you are going to fight cannot be won. He will win the battles for you. So take charge. Exactly similar charge we see David giving to his son. I know the project. I know the mission God has for you. I know the purpose God has for you. It's an incredible project. But yet, remember this. The God we serve is faithful. He always keeps his covenant. He always keeps his promises. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Be courageous. Be strong. And he is with you. He is with you. That's final words of David to his son and to the assembly who gathered. What a charge, right? What a commission that David gave. And Solomon did build the temple, one of the magnificent structures in, the, in their days. So much so, people came from various parts of the nation to see the glory of God in that temple. The kingdom, they witnessed the kingdom of God during Solomon's reign. Solomon did what his father commissioned him to do. 
and again let's fast forward and uh, to the day of jesus christ jesus also the new testament records us uh, records for us the uh, words of jesus which are his last words when before he was ascended to heaven jesus is last words exactly reigns like david's charge to all of us but to mind you these were not the words of jesus like a man who was dying like david or alexander or my father these these were the words of a king victorious over death and sin now nothing is going to cost off this king nothing is going to defeat this king he is going to live and reign forever and ever this is a victorious king and his last words on earth before ascending to his father these are his words a charge a purpose a mission for all of us which says in matthew 28 basically all authority in heaven and earth is given to me go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father in the name of the son in the name of the spirit teaching them to obey everything that commanded you and then see behold i am with you always till the end of the age god gave a promise that he would build an eternal kingdom and that the eternal kingdom was initiated inaugurated through jesus birth death and resurrection and ascension god is building that everlasting kingdom even as we speak today god is building that kingdom and god chose each one of us to be part of that kingdom to be building to the to be kingdom builders along with him and this is our charge this is our commission go therefore making disciples of all nations proclaiming about my son and the good news everyone has in him whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life my son a victorious king conquered death humanity does not have to fear anymore they only need to repent and ask for his forgiveness they would reign with him forever and ever that is the hope and it is that is the scope of this victorious king's kingdom and he is asking you and me can you or will you go on this mission will you we respond you are we like the solomon are going to respond yes and do what god his father asked are we going to respond like blake or shenfield to carry on the mission of their empire are we going to take this mission of god to the people all around us you know a few few uh, days back uh, ranjit and i were talking god brought us to this city new city is uh, is born in this city in no time god gave us this place a permanent place to meet and worship him and to rejoice in in his goodness and faithfulness even though in these incredible times we are living in god is faithful to provide each and every need of our community and especially this space god has been faithful and he will be faithful and we are asking are we becoming too self centered are we becoming too self focused because often times we live our lives all about ourselves okay how am i fed spiritually how my church is taking care of me what about my worries what about my dreams what about my job what about my relationships what about my 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 often times we become very self self centered self oriented people but when we look at scriptures like this it should open our hearts and minds to see things greater than ourselves our lives is not just about us it it's our, our life's purpose is much more than what we dream of in this world today and here is a wonderful dream and mission god is giving and challenging each one of us i am giving you a purpose much more greater greater purpose than you could ever dream of will you go on this mission will you go on this battle i will be with you no matter what you are so new city 
along with uh, all of us. I, I encourage as a community, just like David charged the assembly. Let's as a community to dream to build God's kingdom in this city today. Through our lives as we live along in this great city. Let's be, bring God's kingdom here on earth today through our lives, the way we live Christian lives, reflecting that God chose each one of us. Let's dream to be kingdom builders together. In Jesus' name, yeah, let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your words, Lord. Father, they're incredible. They're powerful. They are, they, are, they are beyond our comprehension, Lord, Father. What people did uh, in the Old Testament, what your son did uh, uh, to build your kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. And also, Lord Father, what an honor and, 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 and uh, what an honor, Lord Father, what a blessing you bestowed in each one of us uh, to be kingdom builders. Pray that, Lord Father, we would not take this lightly, but our lives would be all about you and your purpose. Strengthen us, help us to be strong and courageous, Lord Father. May your presence go with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.